This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Episode number 680, a review of Sky Princess from Princess Cruises. Mark will be here shortly to give us his comprehensive review of the ship. It's actually his first time sailing Princess, too, so uh, can't wait to hear from Mark. Staff writer Richard Sims is here with this week's cruise news and also cruise radio news. The three things you need to know Monday through Friday, just opposite of this channel or daily on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. All right, Richard Sims is here. Hello, Richard. Hey, Doug. So Crystal Cruises, one of their ships, skipped Miami after a seizure warrant was issued for the vessel. This is a fascinating story. I mean, so it all started when Genting Hong Kong announced that they were basically going bankrupt, that they wouldn't be able to pay their bills past the end of January. They own a couple of cruise lines, including the luxury line Crystal Cruises. So right around this same time, a company called Peninsula Petroleum Far East went to court and said, hey, Crystal Cruises owes us like $4.6 million, and of that, about a, bill, a million of it is tied directly to Crystal Symphony. So the judge issued an arrest warrant, which basically meant that as soon as the ship arrived in Miami, it would be seized by you know the court and the federal authorities or whatever in order to, I guess, make, you know, so they could make good on this bill. So Crystal basically said, yeah, we're going to avoid that. And instead of going <laughs> to Miami, they went to Bimini in the Bahamas and they let all the passengers off there. The passengers then eventually were put on a ferry back to Miami, which apparently was a very rough crossing. It was not good weather for the crossing from what I've heard. So yeah, it's like this whole Thelma and Louise thing with like this ship on the run and like suddenly, you know, they're steaming toward Miami and they decide to turn around and go to the Bahamas instead to avoid seizure. It's a crazy story. I have to assume that at some point at now, it really seems like you know they're going to try and sell the crystal ships. They have to. Uh, I mean, they they have these bills and they're they're getting warrants put out to seize the ships. So it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of options left, in my opinion. Bookings are now open for another Carnival Cruise Line new build. So it's important to mention that this is not Carnival's next ship. It's their next next ship because. First, we've got the Carnival Celebration, which should begin sailing out of Miami in November. Then comes Jubilee, and Jubilee is the ship that just opened up for sale. Um, they're going to have a transatlantic sailing on October 30th out of San. Uh, excuse me, October 30th, 2023, just to be sure we're on the right date. Um, and that'll leave Southampton in England, and it'll be an 18-night transatlantic voyage before it arrives in Texas. Then on November 18th, she'll start doing seven-night Western Caribbean. Caribbean itineraries out of Galveston. Jubilee, you know, we don't know a huge amount about it at the moment. We know that it's the third in the class, with Mardi Gras being first and Celebration being second. It's expected to have a lot of the same features. It will have the roller coaster, just like um, Bolt and Celebration do. It's going to have the six zones, but what's interesting is they're saying two of the zones are going to be new, so we don't know which zones are being traded out or what they'll be. If I had to guess, I'm betting that they will put something else in the New Orleans zone and keep that sort of specific to Mardi Gras and find some other themed area to put there. But your guess is as good as mine as far as what it might actually be. 
So Virgin Voyage's first ship, Scarlet Lady, hasn't even been out a year yet, and they're already changing up the cabin design. I'm fascinated by this. I mean, I guess on the one level, I understand it. So Scarlet Lady and Valiant Lady are the two Virgin ships at this point. Scarlet Lady has been sailing for a while. Valiant Lady is supposed to start sailing in the spring. Both are very, very new, obviously. And it was sort of odd to hear that they're already redesigning the staterooms. But then when you read a little bit more about what they're doing with the staterooms, it makes sense based on some of the complaints that people had when they did the initial sailings. Like, for example, one of the things that a lot of people mentioned was there was very little storage in the rooms. And one of the things they're going to be doing is adding sort of some drawers and some storage space. The other thing they say they're doing is, and I'm quoting here, bringing a warmer energy and more sophisticated feel (laughs) to the guest rooms. So I, you know, I don't know what that means. I guess You know, the rooms did seem a little bit sterile to me. Uh, You know, that was my sort of first impression. I guess the... It's not that unusual to to redecorate a room, obviously. We see ships do that all the time. What is unusual, though, is to be doing it on a ship that hasn't even set sail yet. You know, like, okay, we're going to scrap this and redo it. But if... It does say that they're listening to their consumers, and that's always a good thing when a cruise line does that. And back to Carnival, they're doubling down on their COVID protocols. This isn't at all unexpected, and it's something that you and I have been talking about for a while. People sort of had it in their head that maybe once the CDC's conditional uh, sale order became voluntary, that things would start to go back to normal. Maybe everybody wouldn't have to be vaccinated, and maybe you wouldn't have to wear masks the way you do right now. And Carnival, like several of the other lines, is saying, no, you know what, this is going to be staying with us for a while. Um, They got people a little bit nervous because they sort of said for the foreseeable future, but that's really just a, a nice way of not being a having to, not having to every month put out another release, you know, and say, oh, yep, we're doing it again. Oh, we're going to continue doing it. I think it's rather smart that they're kind of can, telling the, the their consumers that you should plan for this. Maybe you'll be lucky and three months from now we won't be under these conditions, but plan that it is going to be, you know, it's like they say, plan for the hope for the best plan for the worst. That seems to be what's happening here. The other thing they're doing in relation to this is that they're also looking at the possibility of making it much easier to get pre-cruise testing at the pier for like $10. Right now it costs $100 to get pre-cruise testing if you're doing it at the pier. And it's, you know, not only is it expensive, but you also have to have an appointment. Uh, this they're looking at as a possibility of doing $10 testing at the pier. It is not happening yet. This is a possibility. And even if it does happen, they are still saying you should consider this a last resort, that you should try and get your testing done in advance um, so that you don't have to rely on getting to the pier. And, you know, for one thing, you don't want to get to the pier, find out that you're positive and you won't be able to get on the ship. It's better to know in advance. But they are going to hopefully be rolling out a program where for $10 you can get it done, make a reservation and do it right there at the pier. We'll see, you know, if that actually comes to pass and if so, how widespread it is. Right now, they're mostly looking at doing it for three and four day cruises for the short, short duration cruises. It'd be nice because I cannot find one of those, uh, what are they called, a proctored test that you uh, buy on eBed. Every time I look on their website, sold out, check back later. So uh, a $10 test at the pier, 
uh, provided you make an appointment and can get one would be a, a nice alternative. I don't know if it's a regional thing, um, you know, based on where they ship them out of. I will say that I was able to this morning um, go on and order two sets. They come in packages of two, and I was able to order two sets today. And supposedly they'll be here in three days, so we'll see. And I okay. don't know if that's just because I'm, you know, you're in Florida, I'm in New York. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's that or if it's that they restocked and you should go check again. Yeah, no, definitely for sure. And speaking of protocols, we got an email today from a listener named Daryl who said he's heard that car. Carnival Cruise Line will be requiring booster shots, and he's asking if there's any truth to that rumor. There's been a lot of talk about booster shots, and will cruise lines uh, be requiring them? And Carnival has, in particular, addressed this topic. I can see where the rumor gets started. Carnival has not said that they will require booster shots, but they have sent out an email saying that if the CDC says that to be considered fully vaccinated, you need to have a booster shot, then they will change their protocols to reflect that as well. This is not their current policy, but it is something that could become their policy down the line. I've said for a while now that I think it's really smart if you are looking at cruises um, that you probably should get a booster shot so that if this does become the requirement, you're already set. You know, Because if they do suddenly decide that boosters are the thing, everybody's going to be running out and trying to get boosters and you might have the same problem problem that you were having with getting a test, you might not be able to get your booster shot. So, you know, if you're interested in cruising, if you have a cruise coming up in the next month or two, it probably is better safe than sorry. And you should go ahead and get that booster just in case they decide that they are going to require it. It does seem to be something that I can, I I would imagine they can, they will go in this direction just because they are doing everything they can to keep people safe. That's why they, you know, went with vaccinated cruises. That's why Norwegian is doing only vaccinated. There's no exceptions. Uh, Carnival, there are some exceptions, very few, but they do make a few exceptions that you can, you know, sort of apply for to try and become one of the few exemptions on board any given sailing. But it does seem like in the interest of keeping everybody safe, booster shots could be the future. So long answer short or short answer long, whichever we've missed, uh, it is not currently the policy. But, you know, if the CDC changes their stance, then Carnival will go along with them and and require it as well. Very good. Email your listener questions to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. Staff writer Richard Sims. Thank you, my friend. Glad to do it. You're listening to Cruise Radio, the trusted voice of the cruise industry. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Have a question or a comment for the show? Yeah! Send an email or voice memo to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. Mark and his son just returned from a seven-night cruise aboard Sky Princess, a princess cruise ship down in Port Everglades. And Mark joins us on the line to talk all about it today. Hey, Mark, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Great, great to be here. It seems like it wasn't only just a few weeks ago when we spoke last about our 
sailing on uh, the NCL Encore. Yeah, you're you're cruising a lot, my friend. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Three of them since July. Let's get, uh, take a step back here because if I'm reading this correctly, I'm reading that this Seven Night Sky Princess, this was a rebook of a rebook? You got it. That's okay. exactly what it was. Uh, what This is back in late 2020 when there were some very attractive fairs to do an Eastern Caribbean sailing on Princess Cruises. It was supposed to be in March of last year on the Enchanted Princess. Well, March came and went. So we pushed it to the Caribbean Princess, which was an older vessel, uh, but it was only a, only a month afterward. Well, April came and went. So I said, you know what? Let's just push this sailing into January of 2022. We figured by then the cruising restrictions will have been lifted. The ship would be the Sky Princess, which is the second newest ship in the Princess fleet. And that was exactly what we did. It was a seven-night sailing departing January 8th, round trip out of Port Everglades to uh, what was supposed to be Princess Key, the DR, San Juan, and Grand Turk. And then a few weeks before the sailing, Puerto Rico shut down to cruise passengers. I'm not sure if that's been lifted since then. So they just did a port swap to Nassau instead of San Juan, which is fine. Uh, We had just been in Nassau um, the month previously with NCL's Encore. Now, you're up in Ohio. You had to come down to Florida, of course. And I'm curious. Mm -hmm. I know you love your pre-cruise Florida time. Any pre-cruise time this trip? Oh, absolutely. You know me too well. We flew down on Thursday, the 6th, nonstop flight on United out of Cleveland right into Fort Lauderdale. And the nice thing about Fort Lauderdale is the airport and Port Everglades are right next to each other. And the hotel that we stayed at was a renaissance uh, right there at the entrance into Port Everglades. So a simple lift ride from... I think it's Terminal 1 where United flies into in Fort Lauderdale, went right to the hotel, and we were there. Now, as soon as I got into my room, I opened my curtains and I look out and I'm staring straight across the road to Terminal 2 in Port Everglades where Princess has their terminal. Mm -hmm. So what we did was I was able to see the bow of, I think it was the Regal Princess, complete with the beautiful Sea Witch, which is the symbol of all things Princess. And it was a harbinger of things to come, you know, being able to see the Sea Witch right there out from our hotel room window. See, now being able to see the cruise pier from the hotel room before your cruise, just an added bonus because like, at least for me, getting up super early and watching the ship dock before you board, that's always a really cool thing. That's exactly what it was to see the Princess Cruise vessels and the port building right there from the hotel was the perfect setup for what was going to be a really, really pleasant week with Princess. That night we ate at, uh, oh, the name escapes me, but it is a South Floridian sports bar and grill with several locations in Boca and Fort Lauderdale. So it was neat going in there for one of their burgers, seeing all the things for the Orange Bowl and an autographed Dan Marino sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm a Dolphins fan, but it was nice to be in a place that had that held the Dolphins in high honor, you know, as well as the Miami Heat and things like that. Yeah, for sure. Now, I want to talk about the pre-cruise, like actually before you get on Mm -hmm. the ship, because this is your Mm -hmm. first time sailing on Princess. It was a lot of uh, things, Mm -hmm. probably a little different than you didn't have to do with your previous Norwegian or Royal Caribbean ships. And one of those has to deal with the Ocean Medallion. How did that play out with you Mm pre-cruise? Yeah, now that's something that I was interested to uh, experience. The ship is pre-wired for the medallion, and the medallion is what allows you to enter and exit the ship, open your, your stateroom door. It opens the door from 10 feet away. So you don't even have to, um, you know, put it up against the reader. You can it, you you can use the medallion to order drinks or food, and they bring it to you wherever you might be on the ship. We elected to get the medallions there at the port 
So what we did was Saturday morning, the Lyft driver took us right to the port. And the first thing we had to do was go through the COVID testing. And uh, that was set up right there at the port. It was not quite as organized as what I saw with Norwegian, but it worked. The testing was done in in a section of the arrivals and customs and immigration area. So you know, you go stand in the line, uh, they do the swab in the nose, then you have to wait in the waiting area until your number is called. Took about half hour, 40 minutes. Of course, we pass the COVID test. And from there, they escort you right into the check-in area, which is on the other side of the wall. So the buildings were a little different than what I saw with the beautiful new terminals that the cruise lines have built in Port Miami, but it's functional. It did the job. And as soon as we checked in, guess what? We marched right up and were able to board the ship. Nice. Mark, I want to clarify something. You you got a pre-cruise test. Did you uh, did you say you had to um, – was that like a requirement to have it at the terminal or did you opt for that just to avoid the whole 48-hour turn time? That's exactly what I did. Princess requires a test within 48 hours of boarding, mm-hmm. no earlier than 48 hours. But you could elect to have the testing done right there at the port before you board the ship. And everyone, uh, the ship, of course, is 100% vaccinated passengers only. And you still have to pre-COVID test before boarding the vessel, which I understand. But it worked out just fine. Awesome. Now, you walked on board Sky Princess, your very first Princess cruise ship and a Royal Class ship at that. So what were your first impressions? Well, the first thing I wanted to see was the beautiful atrium. And you board on, I think it's deck seven. And as soon as you walk in, there's the beautiful atrium. Now, princess ships are understated elegance. There's gold and warm colors and silver everywhere. So you see the beautiful mosaic pattern there on the floor. You're looking up about three stories and you see the beautiful blue and white chandelier. Excuse me. And it's just a very, very elegant layout. Very different than Royal Caribbean, which when you board an Oasis-class ship or a Freedom or a Quantum-class ship, you walk in and you're looking down what looks like a giant shopping mall. Or if you're boarding a Norwegian ship, there's really no common area you board into. People within the ship, you come into the atrium area. So it's a very welcoming, very elegant. It's definitely a more elevated appearance when you're walking onto a ship. So I was quite impressed. And uh, from there, we went upstairs to... Horizon Bistro, I think, is what they call the the buffet there up on. It's on the aft, on the stern end of deck 16. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we had our lunch there. And the buffet, I think Princess has to work a little bit of irons uh, to get get the buffet to flow a little smoothly. For example, what they did was they sectioned off half of the buffet with velvet ropes, which I thought was a little odd. You know, with the ship only being at about half occupancy, they didn't need to activate every single station in the buffet. So that took a little bit of getting used to. It doesn't have quite the the flow that I was used to with something like Norwegian or with Royal, but it did the job. And one thing I noticed on the buffet is they are more focused on some very regionally specific European cuisine. Like I saw a Serbian stew and I saw some certain Latin American offerings. I was more European and Latin American focused than Indian and Asian focused, like I would have seen on Royal or with Norwegian. Also, I noticed that the hamburgers and hot dogs and pizza slices weren't on the buffet. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute. One of the things we passed on the pool deck is the salty dog and also the pizza slice area. Mm -hmm. And that's where they have the pizza slices and the ready-made hamburgers. Those were definitely of an elevated quality. 
much better pizza than anything Royal or Norwegian would have offered. Yeah. So you make your uh, you make the food rounds and you go to your stateroom. What kind of uh-huh. stateroom did you book on this sailing and what did you think of it? We were on deck 14. Uh, that's the highest I've been nice. on a deck. We were on the starboard side with a balcony stateroom. The room is very the, the room is very spacious, perfect for two people. Our balcony was twice as wide as what we would have had on, say, a Royal Caribbean Oasis class ship. And so it was very roomy. And also, when the first thing you see when you walk in, as soon as you turn to the right, as if you were going to go to the restroom, you've got a walk-in closet. Half that corridor to take you to your your restroom is all walk-in closet. Lots and lots and lots of storage space. Bathroom, I noticed, the shower stall had a shower curtain, which I thought was a little interesting because normally I see the, you know, the, the, the glass-enclosed shower doors. Not here, but it worked. It wasn't a clinging shower curtain. Did the job. The beds were the most comfortable beds I have ever slept on on a cruise ship. Michael said the same thing. Very, very pleasant. Yeah, it's weird. It seems like Princess was like the last cruise line, and I'm not sure how Enchanted is. Have you looked, Mark, to see if they actually have a glass shower or if it's a curtain? I believe it's a curtain. Is it? Yeah, um, that's interesting, the, huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a very nice tour by Har Travel uh, by, that Danny Har did of the Enchanted Princess, and it included tours of the different types of rooms available. And he said, yeah, there's a shower curtain instead of a glass hmm. curtain, but it did the job. The yeah. shower was quite roomy. The bathroom was roomy, a little roomier than I thought on the Encore. Yeah. So all in all, I was very pleased with the stateroom. And then also the warm earth tones and the light shaded browns were in the hallways were also there, uh, there in the bedroom. So they, to me, they landed a really nice, soothing look. I've seen that color on some of the Silver Sea Ultra Luxury ships. So to see that carried over by Princess was, a, to me, it's just an indication that this is an elevated cruise experience. Hey, how was the, um, the medallion process when you went to go into your stateroom? Worked beautifully, like charm. Um, you walk up 10 feet of the door, and you'll see this reader device that says, oh, it's recognized my name, or it's recognized Michael, door unlocking. And sure enough, you just go turn the handle, and in you go. Very cool. And that also played into your muster drill as well? Exactly right. Muster was easy. It was the muster station B right outside the casino. So you just go down there, watch the folks show you how to put on the jacket. Then you need to go in your stateroom and watch the security video either on on the medallion app or on the television. You're done in about four minutes. Uh, So much nicer than the old muster drill where everybody had to assemble at the muster drill station and stand there for about 45 minutes before the vacation got underway. Yeah, certainly. So let's talk about the dining on board Sky Princess. Now, we already mm-hmm. talked about the uh, Horizon Court area, the buffet area. Mm-hmm. So let's mm-hmm. talk about your main mm-hmm. dining room experience. What time dining did you have, and how was your experience in there? Well, Princess did away with the, with the set timing, so you could essentially go whenever you wanted. Uh, and we typically ate between 5.30 and 6. All but one night we ate in the two main dining rooms that were active. One was the Estrella dining room, and the other was the, I think it's called the Cielo dining room. Uh, the menu is very different than what I saw on other ships. And as the cruise progressed, the food got better and better and better and better. Uh, for example, one of Princess's signature dishes is their fettuccine Alfredo. And I wasn't sure what to expect because when I think fettuccine Alfredo, I think of all too often what you might get if you were at an Olive Garden or at a Carabas. Mm-hmm. But no, totally different uh, homemade noodles and the and a very rich buttery cream sauce that was ladled on top of the noodles. And it was delicious. One of the things I will also say 
the, the desserts on Princess were a much more elevated experience than what I saw on Royal, certainly much more than Royal and better than Norwegian. Uh, Princess did very, very well from the South, and that's even up in the buffet. Now, with the ship being at half occupancy, in the buffet, the dessert selections were much smaller, but what they had on offer was fantastic. For example, our first night, uh, the first day, they had um, hazelnut eclairs, of all things, and they were delicious. They had, you could have panacottas. One of the things Princess does on the main dining room is they have uh, Princess, uh, fa- Princess favorites, and one of the desserts is, I believe it's called the Love Boat uh, Moose Brownie. I think I'm I'm saying it right. And what it is, is the delicious, rich chocolate mousse on top in the shape of a heart on top of a small brownie. And Michael had that multiple times. It was his favorite dessert. The other thing they offer are creme brulees uh, every night. And these were some of the best creme brulees I've had. One of them was a pistachio creme brulee. And it was delicious. Also a Meyer lemon creme brulee. Fantastic. Uh, very, very impressed. And like I said, as the cruise went on, the meals on offer in the main dining room just got better and better and better and better. Uh, cannot praise the food enough. You had uh, uh-huh. dining in two different dining rooms on Princess. What determined uh-huh. which dining room you could roll into? Oh, we just went. We just chose. Okay. One night we went to Estrella. One night we went to Seattle. It was it, nothing more than that. The menus were identical in yeah. each one. Okay. Now, on our second day, um, we ate for lunch at Alfredo's Pizzeria. One of the things I'd heard that Princess does is they have some of the best pizza that you can get on a cruise ship out in the open water. And, and the uh, Alfredo's Pizzeria did not disappoint. Now, these are Italian-style pizzas, not the American style. So expectations need to be judged accordingly. But what they had was so good, uh, I had to eat there twice. And then uh, that night on Sunday, we ate in uh, Sabatini's, one of the three specialty dining restaurants that is on most every princess vessel. And Michael and I both agreed that was the best specialty dining we have had on any of our cruise ships. And we've eaten at several specialty restaurants. I want to ask, because uh, you're really hyping this restaurant up, you've been on a ton of cruises, have dined in a ton of specialty restaurants. What made Sabatini's really stand out? Well, I think the quality of the food, the the options on the menu, uh, this was not the same as eating, say, at a Jamie's Italian on a Royal ship or in Onda by Scarpetti on the Encore. Uh, the portions were generous and the quality of the food was fantastic. So I was very pleased. Gotcha. Um, and also, it's probably worth mentioning, too, that when you went to Alfredo's, it was absolutely free too. well. It was included in the price of your cruise. That is right. Yes, yeah. the pizzeria on uh, deck six is um, is is included in the price of the cruise. Yeah. Um, let's see. Now there's a sushi place uh, right across the corridor from Sabatini's. Now there you have to pay a small cover charge, but the the pricing was so reasonable. Maybe seven dollars for a for a um, spicy tuna roll or seven fifty for um, a salmon roll or what have you. It was it was delicious sushi. Do they have the French bistro on that one? Yes, they had Bistro Sulemer, and uh, we opted not to eat at the French place. Uh, the two we really wanted to try were the steakhouse and the Italian restaurant. Mm-hmm. But I've heard very good things about Bistro Sulemer. Well, let's talk about the entertainment on board during your seven-night cruise, and we'll start with the uh, the theater shows. Now, were there any kind of protocols or anything for going into the theater? Just wear the masks. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that Princess requires is 
when you're in indoor areas, if you're not eating, you need to wear your mask. Uh, of course, not in the staterooms, but if you're in the corridors or going to the theater or in the theater, you need to wear the mask. We went to see rock opera, mm-hmm. which was a 45-minute show. Uh, it, it did not have dialogue like it would have expected. So it was a medley of various music from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh, but it was very well done. And uh, it was a great show. It came highly recommended. Very glad we went. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, the, that's the entertainment that we saw. Nice. And what were your thoughts of the entertainment outside of the theater? Yes, um, you heard a lot of Calypso music. Uh, a gentleman with a steel drums was playing, and that was on embarkation day, and also up at the pool deck. Um, one of the things that they had in the evenings was either uh, a classical music uh, chamber group uh, playing in the main atrium, or they had a jazz they had a jazz combo band playing. Nice. And one of the things I noticed, and this is what I think helps elevate the Prince's experience over the mainstream cruise lines is you see people dancing uh, an Argentine tango on the floor. And these were regular guests. These weren't uh, hired help by the, you know, these weren't uh, entertainers on board or, or anything like that. These are just regular guests who are dancing a beautiful Argentine tango. So that was a nice, that was a nice touch to see. Uh, also on deck six, uh, just before you get to the princess, um, one of the princess lounges is the take five jazz club. It's across from the casino. So I went in there a few nights to have one or three beverages and then watch the, can- the, the jazz combo in from Montreal play. Uh, so that was, that was one thing I personally was very much looking forward to. And then we did a lot of the, the trivia games. My son likes the trivia shows. And, oh, uh, one of the things that we also did was um, Princess has uh, art auctions as do most of the uh, mainstream and premium cruise lines. And there was a painting by an Azerbaijani painter that we could guess the value of. And Michael guessed that particular painting was worth $23,250. Well, at the art auction, uh, was the, uh, the winner would get a bottle of champagne, some free pieces of artwork, and discount coupons if you wanted to use it to purchase other art on board. Michael got the price to the dollar. Oh my gosh! Uh, I never thought I would see that. <laughs> he at first he thought he won the he won the piece of art himself, <laughs> and no, not not quite. I don't think they would give away a twenty three thousand dollar painting. Right. But we got to watch the art auction, and honestly, that was a lot of fun. Uh, the way art auctions are, it's it's different than what I expected it would be. People get a chance to walk around, ask questions about particular paintings, and then they're auctioned off either individually or in set groups. And then uh, if you're buying a group, you um, have the right either to purchase the art or um, not purchase the art. So it it was much more tastefully done than I thought it would be, but it was really, really neat. And they have featured, uh, Parkwest does the auctions, and uh, they feature a lot of up-and-coming artists. Those art auctions Uh, always crack me up, Mark, because they – I didn't realize this until I sat into the very first one. Like, you know, cruising growing up and stuff, I was like, oh, interesting, they're doing art auctions. But you sit into one of those things, people are intense, Uh and they're throwing out – Ten, twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars at a time for these pieces, and you're like, "Holy crap!" That was exactly what we were seeing. One of the pieces of art on offer was one hundred sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely amazing. Uh, and then uh, you were mentioning about the things Princess does is they have movies on the jumbotron mm-hmm. over by the pool deck, and that's a Princess specialty. Now, this is another area where I noticed what sets Princess apart from all the other cruise lines. You don't need to go to a towel station. Every deck chair has a towel already loaded on it. 
and you don't need to check in or check out a towel like you would on Royal or Norwegian. And if you forget to drop it off, you're, you're charged. Not, not on Princess. There's all the towels you want. And then at night, what they do is they put a special um, blanket like over each one of the deck chairs, including nice warm flannel blankets that you can use to watch a movie. For example, uh, one night we watched uh, the movie The Martian, which I said, I'm trying to remember who the actor, I think it was Matt Damon. Uh, it's one of Michael's favorite movies. So we watched it. We watched it up there and they had warm popcorn and, you know, the nice throw blankets. So that was a really nice experience. That's what makes it a premium cruise line. Uh, the other thing we did was we got week pass, week uh, long passes to the thermal suite inside the Lotus Lounge. And that's very nice. It's called the Enclave um, in in the Lotus Lounge, and it's an interior uh, thermal suite, unlike the one overlooking the wake that I saw on the Encore. Mm-hmm. But it had a very large thalassotherapy pool, four experiential um, aromatic showers, um, a steam room, a uh, I think they call it a columbarium, something like that. Uh, and then also a sauna and a um, and of course the concrete heated concrete lounger. So we made we made heavy use of that. That thermal suite a little different, right, than other ships because I do love me a thermal suite, and I just started liking them like the past five years or so. And it's a perfect sea day place to go hang out and chill and just relax. But I felt a little maybe mm-hmm. it's just the claustrophobic part of me who has space issues. Mm-hmm. The the inside mm-hmm. part, not being able to lay in a heated lounger and look outside, it was a uh, it was right. a little different for me. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It, it does have a slight claustrophobic feel to it, but uh, it's not uh, not as bad as what I might have seen on other ships. Uh, it's a much larger thermal suite than what Royal Caribbean has oh, yeah. in their in their Royal class in their sorry in their Oasis class vessels. But nothing matches the uh, over the top elegance of the. Uh, thermal suites that Norwegian puts out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this one was still very, very nice. I especially appreciated the uh, aromatic showers with the, uh, with the what, did, what did they have? A Siberian mist in mm-hmm. one, and then uh, another aromatic cool mist, and another, and another one that smelled like you were had a, you had a pine forest dripping on you. Yeah. But it was very <laughs> pleasant. I really, I really enjoyed it. I made heavy, heavy use of that that thermal suite. How were the sea days as far as crowds and congestion? None, none at all. The ship was at, what did I hear the number at? Like 1,400 guests on board or 1,600 guests on board. So there was no congestion issues anywhere. Uh, we had two sea days. Um, the, 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 let's see, the first day we were at um, Princess Key, then the second day was NASA. Then we had the sea day to get to, um, the, to the DR. And then the final one was after leaving Grand Turk, uh, we had a sea day uh, before we landed in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, I should also add, the captain was a riot. The captain of the Sky Princess, a gentleman named Michele Tufo, and apparently he's well-known in princess circles. He's called Captain Bye-Bye, because <laughs> whenever he makes announcements, he would end the announcements with going, Bye-Bye, in a really high-pitched voice. And uh, it, it, people started laughing, and then after he would make his announcements during the day, you'd hear other guests all over the ship going, Bye-Bye. Uh, so he had a he had a great personality, great guy. Uh, my son got to meet him in the buffet. The captain did a lot of daily walking around, you know, introducing and shaking hand with guests and seeing how people were enjoying themselves. One thing I also should add, Princess, uh, whenever they exit port and when uh, during the day, and also uh, when they exited Fort Lauderdale, it's not it's no ordinary horn. They blast the Love Boat theme from the old TV show, The Love Boat. So as we were pulling out of Fort Lauderdale, the ship started going, 
just like the old uh, theme song. And then also they would go into horn wars. Uh, a Holland America vessel was pulling out of port one day, let out its horn. Well, Captain Tulo didn't miss a beat. So he started blaring the love boat theme just to let him know, hey, this is us. And we've got a better horn than you have. So yeah. that was pretty funny. Mark, during your sailing, did you get a drink or dining on demand through that medallion token in the app? I did. Um, during one of the trivia shows, I wanted to order, I think it's called the Caribbean iced tea. So I put it to use. Um, within seven or eight minutes, uh, a waiter found me and brought me my drink. All right. Let's talk about the ports of call you went to on this seven night cruise. Give us the port of call and the highlight of that port. We sailed out of Fort Lauderdale on a Saturday. Sunday morning, we pulled into Princess Key. Now, Princess Key is on the southern tip of the Long Island of Elutra. I think that's how they call it. And uh, it was rainy, so it wasn't going to make for a very pleasant experience to really see or do much. Um, if the weather were gorgeous, I, I would have curled up on one of the lounge chairs with a book and just enjoyed myself and then snoozed, read a little bit, snoozed some more, and that sort of thing. But the weather didn't cooperate. So we just walked around uh, Princess Key and then went back on the ship and just enjoyed ourselves on the ship. The, the second day was Monday, and we were in Nassau. Now, when I opened my curtain to my balcony lo and behold the ship that had pulled up next to us was none other than the norwegian encore which i had just gotten off a month previously and uh i started because i'm active on facebook boards and i had mentioned to the encore chat board hey i'm in nasa your ship just pulled up next to me one of the people started kibitzing said yeah i'm on the ship right now and i'm looking at you guys and um we started chatting and we decided to wave at each other. So I went up to the back end of the ship where the um, uh, infinity pool is, looked out, and she was on the port side on deck 10. She spotted me, waved, <laughs> I waved back. So I thought that was really, really neat to be able to uh, <laughs> uh, uh, make a connection via Facebook with someone on a completely different ship just across the other side of the pier from us. So that was a lot of fun. And then we walked around Nassau, uh, you know, the usual things go into the watch shore, watch shops. People ask if you want to buy Cuban cigars and different things like that. So, you know, the Nassau experience was the Nassau experience, went back on the ship. And then uh, the next day was a sea day. And then we landed in Puerto Plata. I'm sorry, not Puerto Plata, but the port right next to it, Amber Cove. We decided that Amber Cove was one of our favorite ports. That port is beautiful. And uh, we took an island tour that took us up to the top of one of the mountains overlooking Puerto Plata that had a statue of Jesus, you know, with his arms stretched out, sort of like what you would see in Rio de Janeiro, you know, with a statue of Jesus overlooking the city. And we got a tour into a rainforest garden that was up there on the top of the mountain. That was beautiful. The DR is one of my favorite ports. I'd go back there in a heartbeat. I really loved it there. And how was Grand Turk? Turks and Caicos are a group of several different islands. The big one, I think, is called Providencialis. But one of the things that I thought was so interesting that the gentleman who took us on the island tour said, as soon as you see the water change color on the ocean, the depth plummets. On one side of the island, the ocean dropped down to, I think, 7,000 feet. And on the other side, the ocean dropped down to 21,000 feet which was mind-blowing. And it's even worse in Providencialis. As soon as you you know, swim out from shore, right away you're plunging into deep depth. So the island country decided to make Grand Turk their place where the cruise ships would dock, I guess for safety reasons, in case 
something were to happen, better access to the ships. So um, we had a beautiful tour of the island, got to see areas where the U.S. military not all that long ago had military spying installations on that officially did not exist that would be able to use to track submarine traffic and things like that. So I thought that was really interesting, but it's a beautiful island with a really, really nice beach. So we were there for about four hours. And then uh, after we were done enjoying the beach and a little bit of the ocean, we went back on board the ship. All right. So the cruise is officially over. You make your way back to Port Everglades. How was disembarkation Mm -hmm. and did the ocean medallion play a role in the debark process? Oh, smooth as silk. Quickest disembarkation I've ever had. As soon as we got off, yep, you just scan the medallion. As soon as you exit the gangway and you're in the terminal building, they load, they scan your picture, and that's it. You don't have to go through customs and immigration, you know, show the passport and declare any goods. We were off the ship in maybe 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, if that. And then it was just wait for the uh, lift driver to take us to Fort Lauderdale Airport for the flight home. Nice. Smooth as silk, yep. as you said. Any first-time tips to offer Sky Princess? Yes, you really, really, really want to have some gelato on deck five and the gelateria. They had about 14 different selections all made up aboard the ship. If you want specialty dining and you want to eat at Bistro Sur la Mer or Crown Grill, make your dinner reservations that day on embarkation. Otherwise, you're going to get nothing. Those two restaurants were the most popular specialty dining. Also, some of the best drinks were made at the Wakeview Bar in the back. The drinks are less expensive on Princess than I noticed they were on Royal and on Norwegian, and the bartenders are very generous with their pours. So be friendly with the bartenders and get a drinks package because they make fantastic mojitos and other tropical cocktails on board. The desserts are some of the best I've ever had on sea. Try them all and also get us passed to the thermal suite. It's one of the better ones and you'll have a wonderful time. A couple of things about your onboard experience we forgot to talk about. On this cruise, did you get the Wi-Fi package or the drink package? Yeah, it was included in our fare. Okay. Uh, the drinks were up to $12 limit, but just about everything was under $12. So I didn't see any additional, at least I don't think I did, see any additional drink charges. Also, Wi-Fi was included, and we didn't have to upgrade the Wi-Fi. It came, both Michael and I had a login that allowed streaming. Okay. So I was very pleased. So, yeah, that was the one cruise I spent the least amount of money on. I was very pleased. Princess, by doing so, really put the value in the premium cruise experience because I didn't have to shell out so much like I might have on one of the mainstream cruise lines. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you? Definitely the Dominican Republic mm-hmm. uh, and being able to go to ports that were newly open to cruise passengers. So being able to see Princess Key for the first time, the DR for the first time, and Grand Turk for the first time, and also finally experience the love boat. I know in the past uh, I had mentioned that the love of cruising was set by the old TV show, The Love mm-hmm. Boat. So now I can say I've sailed Princess. I highly recommend them. It's a very, very pleasant, elegant experience. Very different than the more jovial, partier-style atmosphere you might find on a Royal Caribbean or on a Norwegian ship, but very pleasant nonetheless. Would you say there was an older demographic? Like, what made it more subdued than the other two? 
just the the overall atmosphere. And no, the as the demographic was just this, was very much like what I saw on Norwegian Encore. Uh, younger couples, some children, some teens. It just has a vibe about it that this is more posh than what you might have found on the mainstream cruise lines. And and I appreciated it. And I noticed it. The servers, for example, in the restaurant were unfailingly polite and very proud of their menu and the different options that they had. So it was all those sorts of things that just really elevated the experience. Plus the wines on offer were a higher caliber wines than you might've found on say a pre on a mainstream vessel. So uh, overall, it was just a, a more elevated, more serene, more elegant experience, which is just fine. Yeah. Uh, it's meant for people who really want to feel like they're really taken care of in a way rather than the more party scene that you see on the mainstream cruise lines. Since you've sailed Royal and Norwegian, you know what question is coming next. Since this is your first time on mm-hmm. Princess, how good of a job do you think Princess is doing in keeping their customers and guests safe? They're doing an outstanding job of it. I never once felt unsafe. The, the ship was very clean. You know, they sanitize daily all of the public areas. So Princess is doing an outstanding job of making cruising be the wonderful experience that it is and nothing to have second thoughts about, even though we're going through the pandemic. Very good. And final question here for you, your final thoughts of Sky Princess. Beautiful ship. It's well worth sailing on. I'm looking forward to sailing on Enchanted Princess and the brand new Discovery Princess. Those are the last of the two royal class builds that Princess has. Discover Princess, I think, is doing a Mexican Riviera cruise, mm-hmm. and I've got my eyes set on that uh, as, as a potential choice. And now, having done three cruises in a six-month time frame, we're laying low until early May when Michael and I fly to Rome to go on Azamara's class. That will be our first time sailing on a luxury cruise line, and that's an 11-night sailing. And can't wait to tell you all about it. Very good. We've been talking with Mark about his very first cruise on Princess Cruises Sky Princess, a seven-night Eastern Caribbean sailing out of Port Everglades. It was his third cruise in the past six months. You're getting um, you're getting cruise radio status here, man. Oh, I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, it's one of the best cruising podcasts. I've been listening to it for several years now. And also, I follow your uh, your daily cruise updates uh, on uh, YouTube uh, before I start my work day. Awesome. I'm so happy to hear that, man. Thank you so much for your support. And uh, Happy New Welcome. Year, my friend. And I can't wait to talk to you again once you sail Azamara. Oh, I can't wait to tell you all about it. I'll have lots to share. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.